0: How's that? Is that better? 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 You can hear me now? That's the trouble with uh, needing these things. It's, uh... Anyway, Amen. praise the Lord. You can hear me now? I can hear myself now. It's like I'm uh, thundering out of heaven or something. It's uh, maybe a little lower than that, so it doesn't boom quite so loud. But praise the Lord. Welcome this morning. I'm excited to be here this morning. A couple of things that I've been thinking about for several weeks as the Word has been coming. uh, Kathy's been describing the relationship between Jesus and the disciples and the family at that time with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and the different ones that Jesus touched. And I'm, I'm thinking about what would that have been like to be walking in that day and to be fellowshipping at night and to be... Rehearsing the events of the day and looking at Jesus and just learning from Him and um, trying to understand the mindsets that I would have had in that day versus what Jesus is really saying. And I've been thinking over the last couple of weeks where they've been at and where and where we are, maybe, as we can relate to the stories and relate to the, um, to the things that have happened. And so I have a question for you. Have you ever lost anything and tried to find it, and it's taken like days or uh, hours or months, right? And uh, you've, you're, you rehearse the things that have, have uh, where did I put it last? Uh, where is it? Uh, wh- when did I see it last? And maybe you ask your friends, have you seen this? Uh, Maybe you ask uh, your kids or your wife or your husband, and you're searching for it. And it's like, I've looked all over the place. Kathy has a saying, touch everything, right? And, uh, you know, how many of you experienced after some time goes by, and you're really frustrated, and you you don't? And exactly. And you ask maybe one of your children, have you seen this? Oh, yeah, I, I know where it is. And they come back with it in 30 seconds, and it's like, here it is. What is up with that? What is up with that? It's like we each have our own sight. We each have our own ways of reasoning. We probably walked by it a dozen times. I love the story of the people that have the sunglasses on the head, right? And they walk all over the house, and they're trying to think, where did I put them, where did I put them? And finally, they're courageous enough to ask somebody, have you seen my sunglasses? And yeah, they're on your head, right? And what is up with that? What, What do our minds go through and our sight? How does that work that we can overlook the very thing that we're looking for? And we don't see it. It's like it's hidden away. Exactly. Exactly. Well... That's kind of where I've been for a few weeks is thinking about what am I missing, right? what what uh, What is so in front of me that I don't see it, right? Forest through the trees, kinds of things. I remember um in the word Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, it says, "Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. And then verse 8, for everyone who seeks receives, and he who seeks finds, right? And he's saying it again, and the door will be open to you. So if everyone who seeks finds, why is it that sometimes, does, that, does the word of God only work for some people? Right? Does the word of God only work if you're looking in the right way, in the right circumstances? These things I've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks, and the things that I've wondered about are, why was Jesus not recognized by those who knew him the best? Why was Jesus not... They didn't know it was him. In several places in the Bible, uh, one of the places I remember is Mary, right? After Jesus had been uh, gone to the cross... Mary had seen Him as a very bloody, very beaten person, blood all over the place, crown of thorns, right? The strength really taken out of Him, struggling to walk, nailed to the cross, stabbed with a spear, right? She had seen Him go through these things. She had seen Him being taken down from the cross. She had seen Him being, being handled and prepared for burial in a very quick and rapid way. As they put him in the tomb uh, that was nearby. And she witnessed all of these things. And the story goes... (coughs) Excuse me. The story goes that they woke up really early the next morning. And Mary went to the tomb and saw the stone rolled away. And she couldn't figure out what, what is going on. And she looked in the tomb and he wasn't there. And... Some a, a few minutes later, there were some angels there, and she said, Woman, who are you seeking? Why are you crying? What, what's going on? And so we begin to understand Mary was very, still very emotional over what had happened for the last several days. She was uh, trying to figure out how her story is going to continue in the next chapter of what her life was going to be. And she was motivated and driven to go back to the tomb and to finish some things that she figured needed to be finished, right? The spices and the cloth and the preparation for burial and those things. And so she was going back to the tomb, her and maybe some other women. And she was expecting to see the stone, and they're asking, who will roll away the stone for us? And she got there. And the stone was already w- rolled away. And I can imagine her heart started to beat even more rapid as she'd been through the trauma of the last 24 hours. And maybe she, her eyes were still full of tears. And maybe her eyes were swollen. And maybe her emotions were still being wrecked. Not understanding the day that she was in. So she looks in the tomb and he's not there. And she's, she's encountering an angel. And the angel says, well, whom are you trying to find? Why are you crying? Woman. And she doesn't know what to say. And so her thoughts come back to the reason that she had been, gone to the tomb in the first place. And then she sees a man standing there. And it was, the, the word tells us it was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. How is it that Mary, having spent days and days and weeks and months and even the last couple of years with Jesus, seeing Him do all kinds of miracles, seeing His facial expressions and His mannerisms and the way He carried Himself and the way He talked, the way He talked to other people, the compassion that came out of His heart. She had to know Him as well as anyone But the Word tells us that she didn't recognize Him. Why? Why? Why is it that we can go through a room four or five times and look for something, it's on the table and it's not there, and we can't find it, and then we ask somebody else and they come back with it in 30 seconds? Why is it that Mary didn't recognize Jesus? I don't know that I have the complete answer, but if I put myself in her place, Mary was looking for a dead man. Mary was looking for somebody who had died. Mary was looking for somebody that was laid out on a carved out uh, burial tomb. She was looking for the stone to be still in its place. She had an understanding of what the day was going to be like before she ever walked into the day. Before she ever ran to the tomb, she started preparing of what she was going to do. Of her response to the tragedy that had just happened over the last several hours. And she didn't recognize Jesus. She, the Word tells us that she assumed that He was the gardener didn't recognize him, didn't understand that it was Jesus. Finally, Jesus asks her, woman, whom are you seeking? Why are you crying? She said, if you know where they have taken him, if you know where they have taken his body, would you tell me, please? And she was begging and asking and pleading with the gardener, show me, tell me where you have taken him. And then Jesus speaks to her. And in that moment, her eyes were opened and she recognized that it was Jesus. What happened in those couple of moments where she didn't recognize him? And so we can surmise and say, well, it's because it was early in the morning and it was probably still a little dark. And we could say that, well, her eyes were probably swollen from having cried for the last 24 hours without stopping, and the grief within her heart was probably so overwhelming. And we can say all of these things to to try to convince ourselves why she didn't recognize Jesus. She heard him take his last breath. She saw his lifeless body on the cross. She saw him being wrapped in linen. She saw him being placed in Joseph's tomb. She saw the tomb being sealed up with the most huge, gigantic stone that was impossible for her to move. And so her thoughts were very much on how am I going to walk through this day? How am I going to walk through the next few hours and do what my heart wants to do you see you see when you allow previous mindsets to establish your understanding you limit yourself against the truth of the present of what is presently happening you tend to find what you're looking for right mary was finding what she was looking for up until the point in time that she didn't know where he was. She found her way back to the tomb. She found her way uh, to the entrance. She found the spices. She found the materials. She, She found it. She wasn't looking for a dead man. She was supposed to be looking for... The resurrected Christ. But she didn't know Him in that way. She still had an image in her mind of the beaten and the whipped and the bloody flesh that was hanging on the cross. And she was trying to figure out what was her position in the next couple of days because everything in her life had just changed. How would the chapter of the next few days and the next few weeks of the tragedy of what happened. How do you move on from something like that? How do you pick up your life and try to move on in a way that isn't just so enveloping and consuming? Is this a one-time occurrence? Jesus appeared to the disciples in the upper room. says that He came through a locked door. Came through the wall. Well, I don't know about you, but I've never experienced anything like that before. And the word tells us that they were afraid because they thought that they were seeing a ghost, a spirit. And they wanted to run. And I'm sure some of them thought, how do I get out of here? They didn't recognize him. And it took some time for them to understand it is the Lord happened again with a couple of people that were on the road to Emmaus. Tragedy was consumed in their heart and they were agonizing over the events of the day. Agonizing over the events of the last couple of days. And they were talking with each other and they were sharing the pain and the suffering that they had gone through on a personal level. They were sharing with each other and they were uh, helping each other figure out what is next. Let's go to Emmaus. It's about seven miles away from Jerusalem. It's a couple of hours of walk. We can be there by nightfall. And maybe we can put this whole awful chapter behind us. Jesus is dead. We thought He was the one. And they're talking with each other and they're consumed in the hurt and the pain and the suffering of the day. Interestingly enough, Jesus comes alongside him and he goes, what are you talking about? This is a pretty passionate conversation. This is, this is somehow so overwhelmingly real that I'm curious to know, what have you experienced and what are you talking about? And the two say, oh my gosh, are you the only one in the entire region who doesn't know what has happened? out of the thousands of people that are in Jerusalem, do you not know what has taken place in the last couple of days? Remember, this is Jesus they're talking to. But they didn't recognize Him. Somehow He was different. These are the people that had spent days and weeks and months seeing Him perform miracles and signs and wonders and prophesy of things to come prophesy into their own lives, that they bore witness to the words that he was prophesying. He was a friend. He was a counselor. He was a teacher. He was a prophet. And eventually they confessed, you're the Son of God. But they didn't recognize him. Why? Why didn't they recognize him? And what is going on today in our lives, in our personal situations where we're wanting to see Jesus, we're wanting to experience an encounter of the Lord, a place where we can know that all of the concerns and the doubts that we have in our hearts are finally dealt with and we have seen with our own eyes. What mindsets do we have about religion or about the end times or about the things that are unfolding in our midst even today? How are we discerning or how are we understanding what these things mean? The governments and the decisions that are being made, the economies of the world, the things that are taking place that we read about in the news. How are we discerning the truth from the lie? Are we? Can we? It's a little discouraging in some ways that the people who knew Jesus the best didn't recognize Him. And I'm asking myself, Jesus, where have I missed You? Where have I, where have You shown up and done something in my life and I didn't know it was You? And so the two or the three or the crowd that was going to Emmaus, they finally get to the town... And it says Jesus would have gone on with them, but they wanted to stay there for the night. And so they asked this man, who they didn't know was Jesus, Will you stay with us? And they compelled him to stay. And so they find a place to stay, and they're going in and they're starting to eat uh, the dinner for the night. And then Jesus reveals himself in the way he was recognized by the way he broke the bread the way he was blessing the food, the way he was talking. You see, up until this point in time, Jesus was probably listening to these individuals. And now all of a sudden there was time for Jesus to speak. And through that utterance of his voice, they started to recognize the patterns and the behaviors, the character, the heart, the place where he was. And he reveals himself. And then all of a sudden, he's gone. He's gone. Same thing with the disciples. The disciples are frustrated. They're in pain and suffering. They're wondering, what next? And so they're up by Tiberius, the Sea of Tiberius, or Galilee, or the region of Galilee, there's a couple different names for it. And one of the disciples says, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go back to the very thing that I knew before all of this happened. I'm going to go back to what was real to me, to what what I know about. I've got to make a living. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And he said, I'm going fishing. And he took several of the disciples with him, and they're out in the boat all night long. And they're trying as hard as they know how. These were seasoned fishermen. These weren't just like maybe you and I who hold a pole in our hands every couple of years for an afternoon. These were these were people who made their living out of fishing. They knew. They knew where the best spots were. They knew the right time of the night. They knew the right kind of nets to use. They knew how long the nets needed to stay in the water in order to catch what was there. They knew how deep the net needed to be. They they were experts. They had fishing, they've been raised in the fishing community in their lives. And then so Jesus, it says Jesus in standing on the shore calls out to them because they were within uh, the voice range. He said, "Children, have you any fish?" He said, "No, we haven't caught a single fish." all night long. Not one. And it says they didn't recognize Him. They didn't know that it was Him. And so Jesus said, cast the net on the right side of the boat. And they're like, oh man, who is this guy? What is he thinking? We're fishermen. We obviously know how to fish. But we haven't caught anything. I can imagine some of them in the boat were like, I just ignore that guy, he's crazy. (laughs) Think about what would have happened today. Uh, Oh, he's probably had a party night. He doesn't know what he's saying. Well, the Word tells us that they did cast the net back into the water. And it says that they were catching a huge catch. Of fish, And it says, one of them rose up and said, it's the Lord. Put on his outer garment, plunged into the water, and swam for shore. Because now he was convinced. This is the Lord. But even after they all came to the shore, and Jesus said, bring us some of your fish, it said they dared not ask him who he was. So it still tells us that they weren't absolutely sure. Why? Why in each of these four situations did the people who knew Jesus the best in that time not recognize Him? It would be like me coming to church on a Sunday morning and Lonnie was preaching and I'm like, who's preaching? I spent years with him. I know his mannerisms. I know the way he talks. I know the way he carries himself. I know his heart. I know the things he's passionate about. I know the things that consume his thoughts at least a little bit, right? And for me to come in on a Sunday morning and say, who is that preaching? Wouldn't that be really unusual? Well, the disciples are like, who is that? Why? Why? And I'm asking myself this for the last couple of weeks. Why did they not recognize Him? And where have I fallen short of not recognizing the Lord? Because if they couldn't recognize Him, how is it that those who have not seen Him and the way the disciples saw Him and walked with Him and touched Him, what hope do I have? I've prayed for an encounter for the last several years. I want an encounter with you. The doubts, the unbelief, the concern, the things I'm not sure about. Would you come and would you just have discussions with me and have fellowship with me that I can get over these things? They were walking in fear, they were walking in the pain and the suffering. They were walking in the anxiety. And yes, they were walking in unbelief. They didn't know that the words that Jesus told them about being three days, about Jonah, the belly of a whale, they didn't understand that this was going to play out in the natural in their lives. They didn't have faith to believe it. It took something else for them to step into the new chapter that was unfolding in their own lives. Because the chapter that they wanted to unfold was what they were familiar with. What they understood was in their past before they met a man that was going to change the world. You see, Jesus loves us so much. And Jesus In the work that He has started in your life, He is faithful to complete it, even when you don't understand it. Even when you're not sure how it's going to play out. Even when you have already discovered the way that it could play out, and not one, if you're like me, 400 different ways that this could play out, right? And you start thinking about, when I see this, I can rest assured it's the beginning of this event. When I see this happen, I'll know for certain that this word has now been set in motion and this is playing out. I don't know about you, but I have experienced times in my life where I've looked and looked and looked and looked and looked for the sunglasses or the wallet or... Whatever it is I'm looking for, not seeing it, and somebody else has found it. And then there are times where I found it myself. Ah, oh, there it is. Thank you, God. Oh my gosh, I finally found it. I didn't leave it on the counter at Price Chopper, right? I didn't leave it at J.C. Penney's uh, on the clothes rack of when I remember putting it there. Jesus is so good and so faithful, and so committed to see the events through in our lives, even when we ourselves don't discern properly. You see, what was taking place in each of these four events, and there are more, each of these events is Jesus knew that there needed to be a transition within the people who were going to believe in him, in his word, there needed to be a transition because he told them, if the woman at the well, the woman comes out at the well and she's thinking, uh, you know about Abraham and the prophecies that have come by, and she was experienced in the Word of God to know, right, what she should be looking for. But Jesus tells her, it isn't about that. It's about the Messiah. And those who worship Him need to worship Him in spirit and in truth, out of the confession of the heart of who He is. And He had given many examples like this on the way to the cross, but the disciples still didn't recognize it. But Jesus was so committed to seeing through the chapter change that He didn't leave them where they were at. They, he committed to giving them example after example after example to show them that He isn't found in the, in the natural anymore. And even if you see Him in the natural, He is somehow changed and you wouldn't recognize Him in that way. And so we're waiting for Pentecost. Pentecost. And I'm convinced that if we look through the eyes of a child and try and address the mindsets of, if he doesn't show up in that way, I'm going to see him anyway. Address the mindset of what's going on in the world and the events that are playing out in the world. Jesus is in control. Jesus said, all things has been given unto me. All authority and all the events are now mine. Do you see the events that are unfolding in the world through the eyes of Jesus or through the eyes of our government or through the eyes of the naysayers or through the eyes of the people who are uh, still producing the pessimistic mindsets, the pessimistic thoughts, that are contrary to what Jesus said. Are you still seeing the events that are unfolding in your life through the pessimistic, well, this is my life, this is the way it's always been, this is another struggle and another trial. Same old thing, same old old day. Because I think what is happening, at least in my life, and in the lives, potentially you, you're beginning to recognize, wait a minute, there's a difference here between my mindsets and the Word of God. There's a difference here, and there's a gap, and they don't line up, and they don't follow each other. And I'm coming to a place of needing to choose. Am I going to believe the things that Jesus told me, the prophecies, the places that are revealed to me through dreams and visions, holding on to Jesus in that belt of truth? Or am I going to spend more time thinking about the pessimistic attitude and the pessimistic mindset of how things are going to probably turn out again because that's the way they've been for the last however long time? You see, Jesus said... Those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. When the Father, all those who love me, will do what I say. This is John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus replying to the woman. And he said, come, and uh, my Father will love them, and we will come to them and live with them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not do what I say. And remember my words are not my own. The message is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Counselor as my representative, the Counselor meaning the Holy Spirit, He will continue to teach you everything and will remind you everything I myself have told you. So here is the decision. Are you going to listen to the counselor? Or reason through the pain and the suffering of the past how you expect the day to unfold? He calls each one of us by name. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came close to them and said, All authority in the universe has been given unto me. Now wherever you go, make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of the age. You see, Jesus can be experienced every day, in every situation but only by the Spirit. Only by the places He outlined for us to say, this is where I will be. I am with you always. Seek me and you will find me. To the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 21, He said, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship, but the Jews worship out of our experience, for it is from the Jews that salvation is available. From now on, worship the Father will not be a matter of a right place or a right time, but of a right heart. For God is Spirit, and He longs to have sincere worshipers who adore Him in the realm of the Spirit in truth. We can't expect to see, based on the experiences of the past, because it delivers things that I just explained to you with Mary looking for a dead man, with the disciples looking for the next uh, chapter in their life, and how they were going to play out and continue to live. We're invited into a place of greater trust, of deeper spiritual and intimate places. A place to discover. A new place that's so intricately and intimately personal. And so I'll leave you with these two last scriptures. Philippians 1.6 Paul is saying, and I'm sure that God who began a good work in you will complete the work until it is finally finished on that day of Christ when Christ comes back. There's another place in Jeremiah 29 that says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are complete at Babylon, I will visit you and reform you. It's been a long time for some of us. It's been a long time where we have sought the Lord and we haven't yet experienced that, oh my gosh, it's the Lord. I will visit you and reform my good toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. And not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. In other words, you'll function in spiritual places. Not out of the natural places of Babylon and where we have been. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for Me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity, and I will gather you from the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. And so you can expect that the days ahead, the Lord is gathering the people to reveal Himself in a way that changes everything. The same way that it did for the disciples. Because it took took a series of events for the disciples, not recognizing Jesus, to finally come to a place, oh, it's by the Spirit. And once they started to move in and by the Spirit, it says, and the Lord working with them, confirmed through signs and wonders and miracles. So in one sense, it really doesn't matter the state of the world. All that matters is finding Him in the Spirit. Because it all belongs to Him anyway. Amen? Amen. Beautiful.
1: Hallelujah. Thank you, Sean. Awesome. Oh, you got to love it. you got to love it. The Holy Spirit knows exactly how to instruct us. I'm hoping that you were really, really listening because his word is the anchor to our soul. Listening to what Sean was saying. Now, this has to be relevant for you, and this is going to be so, so important because all this thread of what's taking place that God continues to speak. We have Jesus where they didn't recognize him at the cross. Well, when they were in the upper room, when they came out, did they recognize the disciples? No, they thought they were all drunk. Right. So what the Holy Spirit I believe is going to um, quicken to us this morning, and I'm going to rehearse and go back to a little bit before. What happened if What happens if Monday in your world changes, and things begin to present themselves in a way that they look like the Lord, they sound like the Lord, but be me they're not Him. See, there's this opportunity for us to really adhere adhere to the word and begin to pay attention to all the words that have come about deception and illusion and all the things that are uh, so graciously being brought to us. And now this aspect of it, because what if, I keep bringing this to you because you have to take this as an experience. I know the disciples, when they were in the boat, They never had the opportunity to rehearse. What if somebody came walking on the water, right? What would we do? Every setting that the Father brings the disciples in, those were always unexpected circumstances or events that they did not anticipate or expect. So again, what if Monday, your whole world began to change and things began to be described to you of how you were having to respond to the change? Now, we've seen now almost a year, over a year, where all of you were asked to wear a mask. So, let's just say, what if Monday, something else came your way and you were expected to respond? What the Lord's trying to cause us to do is we need to understand the power of the Holy Spirit, recognize what we see for discernment and the things that are truth and are not truth. Because who comes as an angel of light? The deceiver. And see, what's been taking place for months and months and months now, and actually pre the COVID, there were prophetic words. People have taken those prophetic words. They've tried to fashion them to the events that are taking place, then they formed their response. They had a premeditated response, if you will, and now they've learned how to follow through or follow it. Then all of a sudden things began to change and then begin to kind of distort the way they responded. And what's important for you is I just want you to, to listen to what was said this morning, to recognize Him. to recognize him even though you've known him the way that you have. Word speaks about there will be those that are performing signs and wonders. They're not of him. And see, we've taken all of these opportunities of the things that we recognize as future events And we've put them so far out there that if they came to our doorstep, we wouldn't know how to respond. And the Holy Spirit's really trying to quicken to us. If we would take these words that have been coming, the things that God has been speaking, and even what he's been saying this morning, ask yourself, like Sean said, what am I missing? If your world was to change tomorrow, how would you see it? through which lenses would you look at it through? What seemed to be acceptable or the thing to do? Or would you then begin to say, all right, Holy Spirit, I need to see. I need to see the Lord in this. Because this is going to be just so amazing. As that radical change took place of those in the upper room, their whole world changed. And if Tabernacles is to have its fulfillment, then your and my world will change when the transition from the New Testament into the kingdom. Because the kingdom does not look like the New Testament. That's why Jesus was trying to take that time with them, 40 days, to prepare them for that which was coming and beyond. So thank you, Sean. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, I just ask that this word that has come this morning it be written upon our hearts. And Father... Let it be practical truth for our everyday living. How we live our lives. How we live out everything that we do, everything that we see, and how we respond to it. The Holy Spirit, we don't have to be all, all spiritual. It just speaks about having koinonia communion with the Holy Spirit. Relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus said, though I have to leave you for a while, I have left you the Comforter, Spirit of Wisdom, the Spirit of Counsel, the Person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. Jesus reveals the Father. So draw close to the Holy Spirit in these days. Again, Father, grant us the Spirit of wisdom and revelation workings of the divine knowledge of your Son, Jesus enlighten the spiritual eyes of our heart. We might experience, we might know in this present day the hope of our calling, in this present day, in this present day of delusion and deception. Truth, and that's your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. And and trust me, look with expectation because there's no greater day like I said when we were when I was speaking this morning no one has no one in the scriptures have lived out what you and I are living out right now exactly cuz we're limited no one I want you I want you to grasp this no one has lived out April 12th 2021 and there are scriptures and prophecies and God's purpose that will be fulfilled and experienced by a people. What could that be? Because it's all in preparation of his return. Amen. That's what this is all about. So hallelujah. So love you, bless you. Pray for the gals that are over there. They're going to be there till I think around 3 o'clock. Because really it's all about relationship and introducing people what God is doing over here in this building and what's available? Amen. To where they can have their gatherings. Is there any announcements? Oh, I know. Ben, where's Ben? Ben, we forgot Ben's birthday last week. And we're gonna we're gonna stay online so everybody else can wish Ben a happy birthday. Is there anybody else that's got a birthday? All right. Okay, Ben. Get right here by the get right here by the light. Get that right there by the light. Everybody stand up, because then <coughs> then we'll sign off and then we'll bring our offering. All of you out there in in uh in kingdom land, I want you to sing along with us. And you get all the attention, Ben. And his name is Ben, in fact, if you don't know what his name is. Are you ready? <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy, a little louder, come on, to you. Happy birthday, dear Ben. Happy birthday to you. Hey! Blessings, everyone. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Blessings.